0: No, I mean architecture is political. We gotta we gotta add that stuff. Indeed. We're tearing down communities to build multifamily and you have to understand we are creating displacement. You're displacing black and brown folks and they don't come back. Half of this podcast would be dedicated to the history of Tyler House, my journey and my discoveries. And hey, I'm gonna solve this housing problem. Hey guys, what's up? My name is Melissa Daniels. This is the Architecturalist Political Podcast where black and brown folks talk about architecture. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and be part of my storytelling. I'm always seeking authentic conversations, especially about business, entrepreneurship, in the design field. And when is a black owned? That's just the icing on the vegan cake. (laughs) I'm not vegan. So when I had the opportunity to talk to Kia Weatherspoon. Now, I've been stalking this woman for a long time. Ever since I came across something of hers on LinkedIn, I became obsessed with her. I can't believe it's been like almost 10 years, if not 10 years, since she started Determined by Design. I actually met her. It was a Black Women in Architecture brunch. And, of course, shout out to, again, Nikita Reed of Tangible Remnants for inviting her. And afterwards, we went to Founding Farmers. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's sitting next to me. She's so dapper. And, and like, oh, my gosh, like I can't believe. Like, I was just quietly girl fanning over her. And I probably sound like an idiot when I was talking to her then, but she, I don't think she remembers this at all. I usually bring up how I met you or whatever, but in this conversation, I think it happened off air. So why am I such a fangirl of Kia Weatherspoon? It's her focus and her determination, I guess. She knew what her business was, is... She's constantly, this is what I love about her, this is This is it, is that she's constantly changing. She's constantly have her finger on the pulse of what is going on around her, whether it's design, whether it's policy, whether it's trending. And I'm gonna say a quote from this episode that, that really stuck by me. I leaned into... Ignorance to gain better understanding. I mean, come on. If if that isn't Aristotle, I don't know who is. Because it, it defines her, I think. Her background, like how she grew up and all that, we didn't get into any of that. She is well documented. As a matter of fact, if you go on online. You'll see a longer bio for Kia, as well as presentation she did via YouTube. Well, it's, it's posted on YouTube. I suggest you check that out. Or, you know, she's been on other podcasts. I, I just Google her just to get her background story. I wanted to focus this episode on the business side. And just like a real talk business side of, like, how did you do it? I asked some of the questions I've been wanting to ask her as a fangirl. A couple of things I got out of it. Language is important. She refers to her teammates, our employees, partners, our clients. And her point about doing this is that uh, everything is rooted in hierarchy. And it's so true. And I've been, a little side note, I've been going back and forth on titles And going back and forth on education related to titles. So right now, I don't use the title that my current employer has on me. Because it's, well, I can't use it because I'm not licensed. But I've been debating as to what I should call myself. If I'm not allowing my employer to define me. And... It's tricky, and you know why it's tricky? Is because that's what people hold on to, and I'm trying to fight that. So right now I'm going with uh, architectural designer. Uh, I was thinking about just going with designer, but I also want people to know that I'm still in architecture. So maybe I should do designer architecture, design architecture. I'm a design architecture. That doesn't sound right either. I'll figure it out. It's debatable because it's how other people perceives you. You're a principal. You're an associate principal. You're a senior dot, dot, dot. And when I go on these platforms and I'm looking at people who look like me, they all have these like, you know, titles. Titles that I don't have. Of course I could be CEO of anything. I could be principal of my own company. And I tell myself that all the time. I could be principal of my own company because, you know, what's what's in a title? But it means something to other people. This is the same with education. And I've always heard this argument that it doesn't matter what school you go to. It's how you can perform. If you can't put a construction set together, then what does it matter? but it mattered. An interview that's coming up uh, with Dr. Hazel Edwards, we get into that a little bit. A lot of things I I carry every time I interview somebody and that right there was what I carried out of that interview. And, and it, it bleeds into this one too, about hierarchies and how this entire world is based on that. Architecture is based on that. Even in office planning and we're like, nobody gets office because everybody has an equal station, even though that principal out in the the corner with the open office has the biggest desk and has the corner view. I mean, you might as well put four walls around them. So I've been debating about that and trying to find the right things to say or even in my bio I just, I always struggle with my bio and, and I I don't I, I don't I know why is a struggle because some people is not a struggle some people have other people write it for them but I it's because I'm not defined and I've been trying to define myself huh so so there's that Another thing about this episode that we talked about, transparency. Oh, I love this topic because Kia really nailed this. The cost of material. And for us who have worked on CA know that, and I personally haven't signed a pay app, payment application because of the projects that I've done. It's, It's not for me to sign. Out of my experience, No one has ever questioned the contractor how much things cost. This is too expensive for us, so let's pick another material. And we will go and look at other material, but we never... Why is this... Well, how much does it cost? Because when I quoted it, it wasn't this price. I've never heard anybody say that. And this is me. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But in my own personal experience, I've, I've yet to... Here, someone who's doing construction administration challenge the GC on the quote that that he or she or it received instead we we're like okay well what are the alternatives because we just like shuffle along oh and let you guys know there is explicit language like normally I wouldn't say this but it's it's above my meter in terms of explicit language this is curse words we didn't get vulgar. Is just a bunch of curse words. Enough of me talking. Here you go. I want to know, who is your photographer and makeup artist? Because your photos... <laughs> your photo. So fo- I'm like,
1: I need so to get on my your makeup level. artist. my makeup artist is this Lord, it's gonna hold lose my brain. So my photographer is this woman named Ranisha, Black woman. She's in D.C. And then my makeup artist is Amber Singletary. My other makeup artist, who I've fly out sometimes it is this girl who used to be my neighbor in portsmouth virginia her name is tia and she lives in la so lately i've been kind of just when i can and when i have the means, like i'll fly her out and she'll do my makeup uh, but those those are my two people how'd you find them how did i find them oh my sister her name is kayanda powell she had used her and I liked her work and I reached out to her. We just had a really great photo shoot. Ranisha required, she had makeup artist, she liked. So I had used Amber and it, it just worked out. But prior to that, and one of the things that I always knew, people were going to buy a here, and I always had to present the best version of me. So like one of my headshots has the word fuck in it. And everybody was like, I can't believe it. I'm like, but that's me. But those are, those are my people. Those are the people who have captured me gloriously. And you knew that was important. But yeah, uh, absolutely. from the from yeah. the jump or absolutely because I knew I knew everything I represented. So I often lean into being the only. Right? I knew I was always going to be the only woman, the only black person, the only black woman with natural hair. And because good black don't crack, I knew I was always going to be perceived younger than what I was or what I am. So I leaned into that. I leaned into showing up as that black woman. That's that's how I leaned into it. Three day old hair, not the fresh wash and go, but three day old to scare the white people and to inspire the young black girls who saw me in this space. And I specifically say young black girls because there are not a lot of black men in the interior design space. But I'm going to be like, damn, she could show up like that. Yup. Four dollar hoop earrings and everything.
0: The entrepreneurship bug came because like everybody else, we all just sick of, sick of working for other people, sick of, you know, being in a room by ourselves and not leading the conversation. And you wanted to lead the conversation. That jump. How did you do it? And, you know, you've answered this question. Yes. But- here like someone like me right i am mm-hmm. scared shitless of, of of being on my own because how the hell you afford to do that was mm-hmm. it a side gig and then it came a full-time gig did you just jump right in it at first or was it like fuck it i'm just gonna i can't take this anymore i'm just going like what from 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 me to you and no one else is listening
1: Okay. okay, so this is this is what I say. You 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 said I heard you just say I'm scared to be alone. What would you just say? I yeah. And All and right.
0: let me let me let me preface that right because when you work for somebody, you could walk away. This is not my problem. Like I can always say this is not my problem. I quit. Okay, that's oh, what I mean
1: okay. by being alone. Okay, so and I think we were just talking about this prior to you hitting record, right? Being a child of an addict, having a brother incarcerated, our our family going through this thing where my brother needed everything so Kia could need nothing. So I kind of grew up all alone, right? And always kind of ending for myself. Does that... So, so when you say that I was like oh that was my whole whole fucking childhood fending for myself right so when I made this jump to start my business it came from yes I didn't want to go work for another interior design firm that had white leadership I didn't want to go work for an interior design firm and make less money and then I didn't want to go work for another firm and not enjoy what I was doing, because I really loved interior design. And I was like, well, what can you do? I was like, oh, you just start your own business. Okay. I did not have six months of my salary saved up, because if that was the case, I would still be working for somebody today. This is where my military experience comes into play, because I went into the military at at such an extreme point. It was like right after September 11th, right? So in my mind, sacrifice is loss of life or limb. I knew I wasn't going to die. I was just like, why not? Why not? That's how I approach most things. Like, am I going to die? No? Okay. Jump. Jump, motherfucker. Go. And that's it. Again, I I don't want to keep harping on this be a child of an addict thing, but this is where like your life kind of, it can happen to you or you can make it work for you. Children of addicts, we are very fearless or what is that? That's the opposite of risk averse, because all we know is chaos, commotion, and inconsistency. So I'm like, oh, that's my jam. Jump right into that shit. And that's how I figured I want that's like that's I think at my core, that's how I was able to navigate, start my, to start a business. I had no business plan. I knew nothing about a business. It was like my ignorance was my bliss do why, why not? Why not? Go. How'd you know your worth? Because <laughs> um, my work ethic is a beast. Period. Name me a black woman that don't got a bomb-ass work ethic. Find me one. I always knew at the end of the day, I will work hard. I believe that more is more. I'd be like, all right, okay. I want this amount. Let me, let me just see what happens if I add 20%. And then I said, what happens if I add 30%? I just always knew because I knew I worked hard. And when I couldn't find the answer, I remember when I first started my company, I was like, how much should I charge? And I would call people and be like, Hey, how much do you charge? They would not want to tell me shit. I'm like, oh, we just sent your designers. Fine. Cool. Then I would fake call, act like a potential client and then ask what the rate was. And I was like, okay, that's what they're charging. Let me add 20%. Cause I knew I worked hard and I was hungry. Like literally and figuratively, I was hungry because I had no plan B and I had no fucking money. I was hungry. I had to commit all in. That's how I knew my value.
0: Any programs or websites or something? Like what what helped you along the way?
1: This was back in like what, 2012? or 2012? I think Google was out there. Google? Google and the word free. Free? Free business advice. Free? Free? L- How do you do an LLC? Free. Those were the things like I Googled. I went to DC Department of Community and Regulatory Affairs. There were no resources. That's why I pride myself on hyper being one today, but there were no resources. There was this, I always say, I leaned into my ignorance to gain better understanding. Most people are afraid to say they don't know nothing because their ego is in the way. And I don't know. I don't know. That's on my hands. And that's that's one every time like how are you get an LLC. Okay, figure that out. Where am I gonna get six hundred dollars from? Figure that out. Should I trade part of my company name? Figure that out. Watch web tutorials. I just slowly did the work. Yeah. Is this is this helpful? Cause I sometimes I feel like I get too heady with it and not like tangible step by step. Is is this helpful? You could tell me no. No,
0: this is extremely helpful. Sometimes you don't need to dumb down things, right? Cause everybody heard the basics simplistically or not at all you said when trying to figure this out for you like is either too basic you know like
1: yeah okay yes not to cut you off so like prime example right you know it was well how do you get clients people used to ask me out all the time and this was back in the day when we used the word clients. now we say partner and I was like all right let's keep it fucking simple I need to make $60,000 a year right? That year I needed to make $60,000. So I said, if I get six clients at $10,000 a pop, that's $60,000. So that meant I needed to get six clients. So how do I meet six clients? Again, this was like almost 10 years ago. So every week I would reach out to five developers, do all my research, right? Five developer weeks, four weeks in a month, that's 20, of those 20, maybe I got a meeting with four of those four, maybe one turned into a client. So it was constantly working that project, but I had to give myself a baseline to start with, and I worked back from it. Just that simple. And if I wanted six clients at $10,000, client, any client that wasn't a or project that wasn't $10,000, that's when you got to assess, is it a short game or a long game? So I would walk away from a client that didn't have $10,000 or I would assess like, hmm, are they going to grow? I want to grow with them. So maybe it was a $6,000 client. That's how I got business early on. That is still how I continue to get new business today. Very simple process.
0: How did you decide that, or at one point you were like, I think I can afford an employee? How did that? What in your mind? I assume there was a magic number.
1: No. I, so, a couple of things. Language matters to me. I don't have employees. I have team members. They work with me, not for me. So, I knew I needed a team member when the racial uprising happened. In 2020, and the military active, the DC Guard activated me. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Who's going to do this stuff while I'm gone? And then I had to hire a team member. So my team has like more than, it's grew four times over in just in the past three years. Now, some say, why'd you take, why'd you wait so long? People always want to scale up for the sake of scaling up. I want to scale slow and deep instead of fast and wide. Higher, slow,
0: fire, fast. Going back to, because you made a point about language. When did you know that? Were you in bed one day and it's like, I don't like, I don't, this isn't like, was it always a nagging thing? Will you mention, like I said, employee, like, no, they're team members.
1: So this is how my brain works. How has it always been done? Okay. Why? What happens if you do it differently? And I think one of the biggest things that plays my, we don't value our people right? You know, a lot of, a lot about the work that I do around design equity is around people and community. And when I say people, people means the people who do the work, interior designers, architects, landscape, people, as in the people who are my development partners, people as in the communities that we serve. So I always wanted to be rooted in, in people and not titles and hierarchy. So no, I don't have employees. They're my team. And how did I want to be treated? A lot of times, like, I, ain't, I don't want know why women call me her fucking employee. It's like, that doesn't garner respect. It reinforces hierarchy, but I wanted it about respect and people. So it's my team. Even like right now, people know Kia, but it's like, well, actually the company is determined by design and it's my team that's doing the work and making me look better, right? So I got to say hyper-focused because I never want to be this like leader. that's like, oh yes, it's my firm. No, it's my team actually. It's my team. Everything I do from, I don't want anyone to experience. If I had a negative experience, I don't want it replicated for anyone else. If it's consistently be done done away and it doesn't get better or yield a greater result, why keep doing it with that? Shift the narrative, change the narrative. Language fucking matters.
0: Speaking of language, your team members, their title is design equity associate
1: mm-hmm.
0: and instead of designer intern mm-hmm. yeah it, it all it all connects to that and speaking of design equity we talked about this offline mm-hmm. and I and I loved this story so I'm just gonna let you tell this story because my initially okay I'll just, I'll just frame it this way so initially I I said. You know, I felt like design equity is being used all over the place. And I feel like it's, it's being devalued because everybody's putting in their mission statements and their social media accounts. But come to find out somebody trademarked it mm-hmm. and was like, had this thought years ago before 2020. What's the story?
1: So this is what I think for me. okay, So For me, the way I learned how to design is to start with a very strong concept. And the concept, not a style, it's not a theme, all the stuff you typically hear around interior design, a concept is about history, culture, people, communities. So what I started to notice was specific to interior design and architecture, the design decisions weren't rooted in culture history it was it was more things like style mid-century modern contemporary blah 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 and I'm like well a style is an ego a story is about the people and I want to design telling the people's story wherever said project is how is that narrative weaved in through to the design and then I started to look and be like oh shit in the communities where people look like me black The projects are trash, they're ugly, they're sand soft materials, they have no intent, and they have no integrity, and they don't even tell the story of the people, and someone needs to change that. So very early on, I defined design equity. It is a creative, empathetic, and concept-based design approach to provide equitable design outcomes for disenfranchised people and communities. I knew because the work I was doing in the affordable housing space, all I heard was bias after bias. after. These people are poor. They don't deserve. These people will tear it up. These people, these people. And these people looked like me. And I was like, it's inequitable. And then we make them live in these drab, hard surface cladded materials and and expect different outcomes from the community. And I felt like, And I knew it because it lacked design equity. So I trademarked it. I trademarked it seven years ago. So now that everyone's talking about it, I'm like, okay, but are you doing the work? And not are you doing the work now, but have you been doing the work? My entire career, my firm's entire portfolio is of doing the work in communities that look like me. That's what design equity is about. It is being unafraid to say to a developer, to the housing authority, to the general contractor, you know what you're doing. It's trash. It's biased. Would you want that for your kids, your mother, your brother, or your loved one? That is what design equity is about. It's challenging every construction and design outcome that is not equal, empathy-based, and rooted in the history of a community. That's what it is. That's what I've been doing. It's not a trope. It's not trendy for me. It is the work that has made me a lot of fucking money. Back to language and what I was saying about language, because everything I do is rooted in the people and my people and wanting things differently for my people. Business is about people. Business 101. They got to like you to want to do business with you. Being in the business of people is why I'm successful, not in the business of the developer. But in the people that I serve through design, staying focused on that, that's how I create design equity. That's how I create equitable outcomes.
0: In your experience, has there been certain predictabilities when you interact with a project? Like, oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. All the time.
0: Like all the all the time. Like this, you could you could do a top five.
1: Yeah, top, top, top five. I'm gonna always hear this. Oh man, these people are gonna tear this up. They will make some type of reference and/or statement to that poor person being destructive, not deserving nice things. We hear it all the time, all the time, all the time. Never fails.
0: So you, um, so you roll your eyes and educate.
1: I don't even roll my eyes. I smile and educate. Kamora <laughs> Cam- Lee, Lee Simmons said this: "Your smile is your best accessory." So I smile and then I educate. You know, then I things I know I'm gonna hear from my fellow architects, my architectural partners. Well, the developers never done that before, okay. But they've been doing the exact same way for decades, and it's trash. So if you don't have the balls, assuming the architect is a man, which nine times out of 10 they are, if you don't have the balls to say anything, I have the vagina to say something, so I'll say something. Then we always hear from some type of funding source, don't make it look too nice for these people. Then we're gonna throw in the GC, who's always saying, you know, that thing determined by design specified is too expensive, and then we'll go back and say, show me your receipts, because guess what, I can get better pricing. So never fails, never fails, every time.
0: Continuing on the the cost of of design, mm-hmm. one of the things that I picked up from one of your many, either read or heard. <laughs> was you used the word transparency and I thought that was brilliant. Can you just tell the audience about that?
1: Yeah, so okay, when I talk about trans, a brick is going to cost the same, whether it's a market rate, a luxury, affordable, a hotel right, the brick is the cost of a brick right, what people don't tell you or talk about is all the people who are going to mark that brick up and sometimes people mark it up so much that you get stuck with siding or hardy board or whatever. And it's just like, hmm, well, what happens if we got the brick for the cost that it was? So I learned this the hard way the first time some tile got VE'd out of my project. Now, you know, tile, floor tile, wall tile, 12 by 24, whatever, right? And they were like, yeah, it was too expensive. And I was like, well, how much was it? And they were like, oh, it came in around like, $7 $7 install. I was like, but what is the cost of the actual tile? Oh, we don't know. Well, well, how can I make a better selection next time if I don't know where to start? And when I say I had to fight just to find out from a contractor, from the subcontractor, what the material cost of my tile needed to be at for it not to get value engineered not out. And this is like a, a multi-unit project. I think it was like 15 units. And I guess I just, I was so confused. Like, well, I don't want to spend more money. I want to work in your budget. But if you don't even want to tell me the budget, that means you fucking hiding something. And I just, every step of the way, people wouldn't want to disclose pricing. And I'm like, well, when somebody doesn't want to tell you something <laughs> nine times out of 10, it's not because it's a positive thing. It's because they're hiding something. And I think transparency for me is calling everybody to the carpet who does not want to truly disclose the cost of material. And I think that's important to the work that we do is because you're too busy saying the person doesn't deserve a nice thing. And I'm saying, actually, we can't afford the nice thing if you just didn't fucking mark it up six different ways. And you know why they do it? Because these are buildings that their families aren't going to live in, assuming the average GC, the estimator, the project manager are white men. Their families aren't living in the projects we're working in. So they really don't care. They're going to mark up. They're going to prioritize money. Transparency for me is key to what we do. And we force their hand every time. It's come to the point now, they either love us or they hate us. Like, oh my God, here comes Kia. Here comes the term about design. Now, and, and they know. Melissa, they know now to put all their
0: fucking cards on the table. Now they know who's been giving you the most fight in regards to that. Has it been a GC? Has it been an architect? Has it been the client? Like who? Who's been fighting you the most in this transparency? Oh
1: man, you know I don't I
0: don't really. I mean, is it all of the above? Like, is it equal? So it... I, I
1: would. I, so I would say the it's a it's the GC, but what makes my architectural partner sometimes equally as complicit is they don't fight. They don't fight. They are not in this fight with us as creative partners. I'll give you an example. My team member, Sequoia, she was just on a call for a big project we're doing in New York with the housing authority and architecture firm like six times the size as as us. And the housing authority, the two development partners are on this, on this call and, you know, the developer is trying to make a a decision to put tile in the kitchens, right? But still do the wood floor all throughout. And their rationale was the one we always get, these people tear shit up. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, so the architect is in agreement with us. And it's like, guys, this doesn't even make sense from a cost thing. Like, it doesn't make sense. And the developer and then the housing authority are like, no, we're gonna do it anyway. And my team member, cause they're, they're fucking beasts, they're savages, especially Sequoia. Sequoia uses the 25 cent words. I use the four letter words. Sequoia writes this email and it's like, DBD and the architect explicitly don't think this is good because of all the reasons we outlined, right? everybody's on this thread. So then the architect calls, I was like, "Hey, did you know everyone was on that thread?" And she was like, "Yeah, I did. I know what I'm doing." And then the, the the real estate developer and the housing agency walked back that decision. And this is when I say my architectural partners start they become complicit or complacent. They were just going to let it go. We were in agreement They knew it was wrong. And in the hierarchy of development, the architect kind of sits at the top, but they were just going to let it go. And then when the interior designer literally said something to the entire team, like like a little boy, like, oh my God, did you really do that? They were even surprised that we were that direct and unrelenting and saying, that's a wrong design decision. Affirm, four times the size of ours. This is where the problem comes in with architects. And it's like y'all know y'all got the, all the power, right? Like legit, you do. You oversee the whole fucking team. They don't. They, 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 damn it. And then they she gets me don't. so mad. And and then and then we look like the angry ass black women coming in here like no, 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 shitting down everything. But again, I'm not at I'm not designing for them. I'm designing for the communities and the people who look like me. And people think i I wrote this article once called Dear Architect." People think I have a disdain for architects. I really, really don't. And this is why I still say, like my architectural partner, because we really end this together, you build the buildings for my interiors. My interiors don't exist without your buildings. But yet every step of the way is oh. Real estate developers don't use interior designers on projects like these. But you know they should, though, right? Cause you know you don't really do interiors well, because you'll be like, oh my god, we did this great interiors, and it's all hard surfaces in the lobby. Who the fuck wants to walk into an all hard surface lobby? You know what? You know what other spaces are like that? Fucking jails and prisons. They don't realize they had a power, and it makes us look combative. And I don't care. That's okay. They fight. Maybe it's the optics. How did this small firm get on the deal? Maybe they don't want the scope creep. They'll throw their interiors fee down so low. That it makes ours look high, but yet we still get on the deal, but they don't realize they have all the power. Blows my mind every time. And then they'll say things to me like, Kia, you know, how how did you get that developer to spend all that money? I told a better story than you. Oh, well, we can't bite the hand that beats us. I bite it all the time. It keeps coming back. They're fucking scared because they're chasing the next fee and the next project. I want equitable communities. Our wives are different they're scared blows my mind every time every time i was show a long ass rant god bless whoever edits this <laughs>
0: you mean me <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you see my point about the power
0: no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right I, and i hear it. you're not the first person on this podcast that has said that architects do not exercise their power and it comes down to the very first lawsuit that happened like 80 years ago when, you know, collective bargaining and sharing fees, that's, that's when it started. And we started to relinquish our rights, but still take all the responsibility. It's, it's crazy. It really is. And scared shitless for no reason. Like, and I I get baffled when they say, oh, equity matters. And I'm like, you don't know what that means. Or even even there 2030, now it's 2130. You know, the whole, com- I don't know if you know this, the whole like environmental no, like commitment, like whatever. Oh, yeah, now God. that's a 2130 committee thing going on because they can't meet the 2030 challenge. They can't build zero whatever in that scope that they were promoting for the past decade or two. They're not gonna meet the 2030 challenge. And all these firms signed the agreement. And you think they paid attention to any of that stuff? Of course not.
1: No, but so so this so this is like the bandwagon jumping, right? It's just like, okay, that sounds good, 2030. But if you really think about it, I'll give you I give you an example. Okay, enterprise green communities. We have to do those standards a lot on our projects. And one of the biggest kind of pain points is, even just the word green, I'm, like, I'm gonna walk, the word green, it means healthier, good for the environment, good for the people, right? So There's this assumption, that's what green means. But while enterprise green community wants us to have an energy star labeled light fixture, we can still put LVT in the units and in the common areas. You know how toxic LVT is? <gasps> But it's low, but it's all this other shit that doesn't matter. Like this low emissions, this, but you still put the toxic ass material in there. So we're, we're working with healthy building materials, labs, and we are developing like this truly, what is a healthy and beautiful unit, right? Because a lot of the stuff sometimes HML brings to us, but like, oh, it. I it's healthy, but it's ugly. No, I would take aesthetic, beauty, comfort, softness over, over health healthier how about that right but all these pledges it's just like you all are still missing the mark like you still can't even just get beauty and aesthetic and softness but you want to jump on the green bandwagon and not that I don't believe in sustainable building and all that other stuff but I think there are greater and bigger issues than this 2030 challenge and low emissions carbon neutral it just sounds good it's just like you. You like you. Everybody talking about equity now. Everybody talking about that shit now. But what are you really doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah.
0: exactly going back to determined by design. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I and I've I've stalked you for a while prior to us being here. I remember when you changed your your graphics. Mm-hmm. So from the get go, you were and. In the beginning of this conversation, we talked about your makeup artist and your photographer. But um, you have a brand director and most people starting out or even, you know, you're not starting out, but most people, most firms who've been in the business for like decades don't have that. They have a marketing. You have a brand director. I was just like, he is like on it like it's just I'm every time like I even when you you got the open Winfrey uh, right
1: oh uh, gosh
0: I was just like what?
1: what and I had
0: to like I had to give you a shout out on that because it was just like, oh my god, like I was just i mean it's i'm 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 envious on so many levels, but it's just your your strategy like i'm I'm in love with it. thank you it's just i i don't know if it's a question or a compliment but i just (laughs) had
1: to tell you this so so and see the word the word you just said strategy right i Uh, i don't want to say
0: wait it's not a strategy
1: that's not the right word
0: purpose no it's just
1: it's just kia
0: it's just kia
1: it's just kia look you know okay all right, we all in a room, everybody's in a room, me, you, somebody fancier than both of us, all in a room. And that person is talking and, you know, something's on their nose and we're all kind of seeing it, but no one will say anything. And there's a way to speak up and not be like, oh my God, person, something's on your nose. I have just always been unafraid to say, or be Kia fearless, fearless. Even if it's uncomfortable. So the strategy, if I want to call it, is this: like, ah, everyone in this room is thinking that person has something on their nose, but everyone else is afraid to say anything. Well, you'll know, guess I'll just be the one that says something. That's not a strategy. That's a way of being. Like it, it, that's. I guess the strategy is everybody's afraid. I'm not okay. Great. It comes with it comes with these like it, it, you could say it comes with this downfall sometimes, right? Um, I'll give you an, a, a very recent example. I, I won't give too much away because I recently won an award, and I win all the awards, and in the I'm at this you know, fancy dinner, all these illuminators, and I give a little speech, and in the speech, I curse, right? So then all the other people go around the table and then they got to say something about me and then they all start to feel the need to curse and i'm like what the fuck are y'all doing it in, a, in one instance it felt like i was becoming a caricature of myself and then in the other instance it was like oh you all are a bigger than me and you all still Haven't shown up as your whole selves in your career, so now at this point it starts to get like how is showing up as Kia making more people comfortable or making more people feel like they have to do the drop the f bomb and do all the things that's not authentic and is that the only way that they see me? Does that did that make any sense? Kinda, and I say kind of
0: because what I was going at it is that other I don't see other people in our industry doing what you're doing and because yep and I don't I don't think it's fear I think that they don't know how really yes you would be surprised
1: they don't they don't know how to do what they don't know it's just stuck
0: in the past or stuck because someone else did it this way therefore it should be done this way you know like and even like there's a firm their social media is trash and it's trash because it doesn't have personality and this is it's a typical architecture firm it's a typical they post pretty pictures and then give stats and then that's it and you don't see the work, the hard work, the dedication, what makes them different than anything. Another example, even with the AIA. So AIA Advocacy put out a memorandum about the Inflation Reduction Act. And I just happen to have, because I'm like on this committee or whatever, and I get this, not on that actual like government relations committee or advocacy committee, but I someone forwarded me there their letter of I don't know what what the fuck why they even have this letter so I'm like okay so I go to their social media they just say oh this congressional act has passed and that's it but it doesn't tell you how it relates to architects and it's more than that and you do more than that that's what makes you stand out is because it's not just your cool determined by design, the dine dbd logo is part of it but it's more than that and they don't know that because they're stuck these old ass white men are stuck we'll do a press release
1: What the fuck is, press is she releases all right but but this but this is the thing though it goes back to and I, sometimes i feel like a broken record and, and you, you're gonna get this first and you know my brand director and my coordinator—they're probably going to be pissed. But determined by design is turning ten in two months, and our new tagline, already trademarked, is the people's design firm. What? Yes, I love it. Right, because I am not selling statistics. That's not—I'm not selling research-based design. I am selling design equity and doing the work of the people, period. And, and this is why, and this is when you say like people, you you said people do what's always been done. And what did I say earlier? The, yeah. Prime example, right? Starting my business, I knew I never wanted an office. Never wanted it. Because I remember there's a big fancy A&E firm, A&E firm in D.C. And I met with the owner and I remember... She was like, oh, we have to fill in a million a month just to cover our operating costs. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, oh, no, no, I don't want that overhead. So our team has always been virtual by design. So when COVID happened and everyone's trying to pivot and figure out, my team, we were good. We, it was business as usual. Because this is what I said. How has it always been done, okay? Has anyone tried anything different? You, 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 no? But we kind of know it don't work. Let's try something different. That doesn't make me like fearless. It's just like we see it's done this way. We see the firms putting out the same content and it doesn't say or move people in any other fucking way. Why we keep doing that? Why? And I think that's my strategy. Don't do what other motherfuckers done that there you go that was a long way to get there but we got there don't do what they've already done focus on don't focus on the fee focus on the people value doing the work of the people of the community and know it comes at a cost one of my biggest pet peeves is i tell people i use the buzzwords affordable housing economically challenged communities design equity and they go oh my god are you not no motherfucker, i make a lot of money Cause I'm rooted in doing the work of the people, and that's, that's- another thing that kills me, man.
0: That's yeah. another thing that kills me. It's like when you work in communities like ours, all of a sudden it's like you can't make any money. You have to be a nonprofit. No, you don't. It's crazy. I don't. I don't I remember. Understand.
1: Me neither. I remember very early on, I was trying to meet with this consultant because I felt like I needed some help, and he was like, "Well." I hope you just aren't a black firm that people go to as the minority church choice how how much do you charge and I told him he was like oh wow you're hot yeah dude what what who said that like you thought you could fix your you thought I undervalued myself I know my worth I know the importance of the work that we do because nobody stands outside the building goes man this building was comfortable the
0: problem with the whole affordable housing crisis, besides management hiking up. Oh
1: gosh, oh, keep going.
0: The fees is the fact that when you're building these new new buildings, no one is talking about them biases that are incringed on these communities. You, you said it a thousand times throughout this interview, just, just how biased they are how ignorant they are in thinking mm. that black and brown people can't have nice things because they are low income
1: so it, it it's so funny do you, do you know who one of the number one retail consumers are us exactly us. so that that's so that's why when i hear people say like oh god i'm not going i'm not going to go down it's like when When I do, when we do a project and I'll be specific to DC and like Ward 7, Ward 8, East of the River, and it's going to be, you know, multifamily with ground floor retail. And the developer is like, well, we can't get a grocery store. The big box grocery stores don't want to come because they look at the area medium income and it sees what the AMI of these residents are. And then it doesn't shake out for the big box retailer to come. and I'm just like, folks, I get all that. And again, this is what I think I just said earlier, like I don't really get into numbers and data. They're basing it solely off of the AMI, but not really looking at one of the most black people are the consumers that spend the fucking most, whether they can afford it or not, good, bad or indifferent, right? So I, I hear stuff like that and it, it's just like, well, how do you fight for something different? So we have this project that's finishing, oh, God, so glorious in Arlington and you know our development partner who I adore and the property management team I remember very early in the design process they were like we don't want any soft seating in the lobby and I'm like okay and you know the property management guy was like you know yeah yeah. you know we don't want these guys hanging out you know we don't want these guys hanging out hanging out and smoking in stairwells and hanging out and I was just like well, first of all, this is a family building. So I don't know what guys you're talking about, biased language. And then no soft scene. Like, we don't want anybody sitting down here. I'm like, okay. Now in my mind, I'm like, y'all sound so ignorant. Let me not use the word ignorant because ignorant requires a lack of means, literally a lack of information. It's bias. So then I had to say, well, you know, guys, what if, what if I'm a mom with a stroller? I have a couple bags. I have another kid and I need to take a seat for a second before I walk out the door. What if I'm a kid and I'm waiting for my mom and I need somewhere to sit to be like, hey, mom, where are you? I'm calling an Uber. What if I'm an old person that needs to catch my breath? So we had to do all these empathy based exercises to kind of reframe why they didn't want soft seating. And our compromise, we did this. Glorious platform, like stadium seating in the lobby with cushions and this green wall. But it's the bias part. It's like at no point did they think about it from an empathy lens. All they could see is we don't want soft seating because these people will tear it up. And our jobs as creative people who build communities is to challenge that. And I think that's we don't challenge because we we want to be on the next deal and the next deal. Yeah. And that that's field. a
0: trigger. That was really a trigger for me cuz I used to I used to live in the housing projects and and this even made like this Washington City paper. So the building is Tyler House and mm. they had a lobby and it was like decades ago. And it was a nice lobby cuz they renovated it. And mm-hmm. then they ended up putting up signs and eventually roping off the lobby area, the seating area, because they didn't want anybody to sit there, so it became a museum piece, basically like, of couches, tables, and chairs.
1: Are you serious?
0: Dead ass. And <clears throat> tenant association was like, "What the hell is this? We can't sit here because because they don't want them to congregate."
1: Ah, uh, but just, just see, poor people, poor people hang out and congregate. The market people in the market rate building, they need to gather. They need a place to gather, they need amenities, but God forbid black people sit together and foster community. God forbid poor people have a place of respite if they need it when they walk in their front door because the lobby is their front door. And if we were in middle America and it was poor white people, Living in a building in Wichita, Kansas, I would be saying the same thing. People from people from disenfranchised communities need more spaces of respite. However they can get it and places to foster community and gathering.
0: Period. How many dormitories have you been into? College dormitories.
1: Uh, and they have and
0: they have seating everywhere, everywhere. 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 And by the end of the
1: semester, a lamp is missing
0: cuz it's in somebody's dorm room
1: oh or... see, see, see. no 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 that's it that's a that's too much of a easy this is my favorite one i remember we worked for a firm no i heard a story someone was like it was a hotel a hotel lobby and they were telling me how like the security camera saw it was this drunk as white man and there was this figurine like dog on a shelf. They literally, the dog was glued down, secured down. They literally watched the man take the entire shelf and the dog. But yet no one says in the hotel like, glue this stuff down people will be destructive and vandalized any and everywhere if that's what they choose to do so it's like college things get beat up that's just what happens but it's affluent people who do it too it's just not poor people and i would hypothesize poor people take better care of things that have a visual aesthetic value because they don't have access to it frequently.
0: Who invented the plastic on on the couches? We did.
1: Go go to your grandmama's house, your grandparent's house. Right now. Fully covered. Fully covered. We had a project and the developer was like, are you guys going to glue down all those accessories? I was like, no. First of all, we got no fucking time for that. And second of all, no. And they're like, oh, we don't want things to walk. I come back to the property like six, eight months later. Property looks exactly the same. They're like, yo, the residents make sure everything is exactly where it's supposed to be. And this is a building where 15 of the units were for people who were chronically homeless. And that just reiterates this point. that like, when someone ain't had something nice and of value, they appreciate it and they want to take care of it. It's the bias of others that think they're just going to be destructive and trash it. What's next for you?
0: Passage your uh, ten, 10 years right time
1: flies. so you know time does fly but I I tell you I've been having so much fucking fun I have fun I have fun I have a dope ass team and I'm in this very interesting place where you know someone was like here there's, there's no more awards for you to win like you have got them all you got the honorary doctorate you got the Oprah Daily. You got designer of the year. You got the magazine cover. And it's it's a very kind of like, well, what do I want to do next? I also teach full time at Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta. So two, two things I'm excited about. One is this partnership we're doing with the Healthy Building Materials Lab of truly identifying how to create a beautiful and healthy unit. And then also we are... Maybe about two weeks away from starting to rewrite the design standards for the DC Housing Authority's senior project properties. That's 14 properties and 1,800 units. So I love being able to start working on policy because setting those standards. I guarantee you, there's never been an interior designer leading that charge but it's a a partnership with another architecture firm but we will be leading the charge and getting the most fees so that's on the horizon and I am I'm going to enter into like the VC space for a new project and initiative that I'm working on I can't give too much away of it yet but I will probably just like go under the radar for like two years really launch this next thing that's what i'm excited about figuring out what's next for kia the turn by design is set my team is the business so they give me the grace to be able to move a little bit further away from the company it's my baby it will always be my baby but that's what's next like what happens when you when you like what do you do when you build a thing how do you catapult off of it that's what i'm figuring out i'm figuring out right now that's exciting
0: that's what, I mean, you're, you're at the top. How, how much higher yeah. can you go? And yeah, you can't go higher. Can, um, you still haven't touched you, the
1: cloud yet. No. Can I tell you like a, a really like, uh, can I tell a quick story. Sure. So I had a, a white woman recently reach out to me and I've known her most of my career. And she was like, Hey, can, can we get together? I was like, yeah, what's up? And she was like, I don't think you know like how big you are and like your impact on the industry. And I don't know what you want to do next, but how can I help you? And I was like, what? And she was like, Yeah, I don't know if I'm a good resource for you, I might know some people. Just how can I help you? And I the Cassidy. No, I I appreciated it. Really? I would be yes. so offended. No. So this is why, because I think white women at times, just say this so problematic. I don't think we got time for that. But she was really just saying like, I want to help. I don't know if you need my help, but I'm here if you need me. And I can make this introduction. Let me know if it's a value. And it ended up being a value. Unsolicited, but... I I was like okay, B- because I I built a business with no resources. This next thing I want to do, I know I need resources and connections and relationships. She didn't know that I knew it, and here it was presenting itself to me from a white woman of all places that ended up working in my favor. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I and you understand why I was shocked, right? No, tell me why, why, why. Because like I said before, you are at the top. You won all these awards. You're in all these things. You're on all these boards. You you, you <laughs> are at the top. And here she goes,
1: I think you need some help. Like that's that's what I took that at. No, it was like, do you need anything else? And oops, because okay. Cause
0: you wouldn't cause you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't you wouldn't go up to somebody that's above you or do you consider her how about this question do you consider her your
1: equal she's, she's probably above me oh, okay all right she's she's above me in industry she okay. works for the top she works for like the top A&E firm largest in the world
0: okay all right that, so I'll uh, eat my words in I'll eat my words because I just thought that if she if you deemed her as like above you and she's like yeah. hey since I'm up here, I could help you with well, other things because I know more people or like whatever connections she may have that you may need. But yeah, okay. All right, so, I'll eat but, my words.
1: But, but, but as a black woman, so, and it's so funny, right? And in and, and sitting in this, uh, having this meeting with her, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just recently did this thing because I wanted, you know, it looked good on my resume. And she's so scared. See, I think that's my point. You don't need to do another thing to boost your resume. It's legit, it's there. Sometimes I don't see myself the way other people see me because I'm just here. You just can All the awards, all the awards, all the things. But I think as Black women, we still feel like, well, I got to do something else. Well, how mm-hmm. I want up that? How do I want up that? How do I want up that? Mm-hmm. And here this woman is saying, like, actually, you've made it, Whatever the, whatever the whatever that means to you, what you want to do next and how can I help you? And I don't, I don't, it's not, oh, I'm humbled. No, I worked, I had a piece of a work ethic. I was destined to be this, but damn it. Prime example, a thing that I still struggle with as a business owner is my taxes and my tax structure. You know, the white people got that on lock. So that's a resource I still need. You know, this next venture that I'm about to start going into the VC space, I've never been there. I'm going to need resources. We always feel like it has to be hard. Actually, I want some ease in my next business venture, and I'm going to need people who've done it, who are bigger than me, have greater access, resource, and capital to do it. So it felt good to not to have to ask for it, because how many Black men like to ask for help? It came to me. It came to me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a different...
0: It's it, it's kind of like quiet luxury. That's what I like to think of it as. Yeah. So absolutely. It's, so it's like carrying a handbag with no logos, but the shit's like five bands or something. Like you. Yeah. It's but nobody knows us. Everybody, everybody, all with the double G's and the double C's and
1: the LV's. Yeah. It is. It, it's. It. Yeah, I, I want to. Yeah, so if you, if you if like, if you'll be like, Where'd though? go? I should do my podcast. I heard. Like, is I just want to qu- not quietly intentionally do this next thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I will continue to stalk you. You can stalk me, girl. That's all right. We can also just get together for drinks and break bread together, too. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, quick question: How you know Kia, nikia Nikita? I always mess up her name. Oh,
1: you went to school. Know each other? Yeah, I went to school no, together. No, no, no. It was on some like how I meet most. You black? I'm black. We in the same space. We should know each other. Oh. Okay, girl. Oh, that's that's how that's how it. And then this is even better. Like you black I'm black we in the same space let me throw some business your way you gonna throw some business my way too you got that's that's how it goes every single time yeah yeah she and I just had dinner a couple months ago too yeah cool well thank you so much thank 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 you thank you for letting me dm you and be like I don't know your podcast and making space for me (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh my god She, I didn't know she knew
0: I existed, and I'll take it. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: This might be my last podcast for a long time, so yeah. Thank you, thank you for making space for me. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All
0: right, bye. Hey, listeners, I have an exciting announcement. I decided to launch a membership program for the show, where you have a chance to support me and the show directly. I love creating the show. And it means the world to me that you all tune in to keep hearing me week after week. But it takes an immense amount of time and energy to produce. I want to keep the show going and I want to invest in its growth. And I also want you to become a partner with me in this journey. That's why I'm excited to give you a chance to officially become a supporter of the show at glow.fm slash archispolly, A-R-C-H-I-S. P-O-L-L-Y. Or by clicking the link in the show notes. It's quick and easy. It takes less than 30 seconds. And just takes clicking a link in the show notes and using Apple or Google Pay. You don't have to create any new logins. And you can contribute as much or as little as you like. If this show is part of your day or week and you like what I'm doing, then visit glow.fm slash poly, all one word, And support me and the show in any way you can today.